because I called it Fano Kai, the giving series. I wanted to film little 10 minute videos. I show you how to make a recipe. I teach you bilingually through the ingredients and little sayings in that that you can use. And ultimately, the creations that I make, the followers have nominated somebody who they believe needs a, a little bit of aroha they sent their way. And so I would package it up, give them some extra gifts and send it to these people who were nominated through my page. This is Down to Earth Conversations, where we hear from ordinary people who are helping to bring a bit of heaven down to earth. Kia ora, no mai, haere mai ki te Down to Earth Conversations. Welcome to another episode with me, your host, Andy Dixon. A couple of things before we get into today's kōrero. Our first is that last Friday, Matt Brown from episode 36 and his wife Sarah, along with prolific artist Mr G, opened the She Is Not Your Rehab art gallery here in Ōtotahi Christchurch. If you have the privilege of being in Ōtotahi in the next year, be sure to make time to head along for a look. It's a powerful celebration of women uh, and totally worth your time. Secondly, this year of the podcast has been possible due to uh, really generous donors who contributed at the end of last year. And it's that time of year again. I do this totally for free and make nothing from it. Um, but there are a number of costs involved. So I've set up a give a little page and I've got that running for a couple of weeks to raise those costs for next year. And I'd appreciate just anything that you have to offer. Simply head to the link in the show notes and give what you wish. And a huge thank you in advance for your generosity so I can keep bringing these conversations to you. For our kōrero today, I had the great privilege of chatting with Naomi Tolalo. Naomi is a wife, a mum, TV presenter, a reality TV contestant, and a baker. She runs the Instagram page Fano Kai and has just released her first cookbook of the same name. We talk Māori tanga, te reo Māori, Māori television, family, generosity, and what led to the creation of Fano Kai. You'll laugh, you'll be inspired. This is episode 62 of Down to Earth Conversations. Here's Naomi Toilalo. Well, it's my pleasure to call it all today with Naomi Toilalo. Kia ora, Naomi. Welcome to the podcast. Tēnā koutou, um, tēnā koe Andy, ngā mihi nui ki au koutou, rā ko te hunga e whakarongoana to all of you listeners. No here koe. Tell us a bit about yourself. Kia ora, ko hikurangi te maunga, ko waiapu te awa, ko harauta te waka, ko awatere te marai, he uri ahau no Ngāti Parau, I... Hail from Nazi Parau, but I grew up in the deep south. Um, a little place called Lawrence is where I come from. But yes, my papa, my Māori roots uh, come from the east coast of the North Island. And so what, what was your family life like down in uh, Lawrence? Well, I grew up on this huge farm. So my dad was a sheep and beef farmer and... We lived like you have the little town of Lawrence and we lived like 15 minutes um, drive out of Lawrence in the middle of nowhere on this huge farm, 1,500 acres. And um, I grew up with my two brothers and my sister and my awesome parents. And, yeah, it was just farm life hardcore. Yeah, you weren't tempted to carry that on? 
Uh, no, Andy, I wasn't tempted <laughs> to carry that on. <laughs> I actually love the farm. Yeah. But I always had, um, growing up, my dream was always like, I'm going to move to Auckland. You know, to me, it was like the Hollywood of yeah, well, New Zealand. <laughs> it, it totally is. <laughs> Not probably quite as cool as Hollywood, but um, yeah, I just always wanted to move to the big city. I had big hopes and dreams as a as a teenager, and yeah, I absolutely love going back to the farm um, to this day. But the city always calls me back. You have Tereo Māori as a big part of um, who you are and, and also what you do, um, but I understand you didn't actually grow up speaking Tereo. What was it that drew you to the language? Yeah, so my mum was Māori and my dad Pākehā and my mum had grown up in a, in a hard time really um, where her grandparents and that were fluent in the reo, but if they spoke it at school, they were disciplined. And so a lot of the their parents and grandparents stopped talking to the to that generation in the reo. And so along with a few other things that were hard in her childhood, being Māori wasn't something that was celebrated or talked about a lot. Um, I remember saying to someone, for us, we thought puku was an English word because we oh, just wow. always referred to um, our stomach as our puku, but we didn't even register that it was a kupu Māori, you know, a Māori word. Um, but when I was 11 years old, my um, sis, my mum and her two sisters wanted to go up to um, a whānau reunion back to our marae where they all grew up. And so we all convoyed up from the South Island up to the north and we stayed at our um, whānau marae for a whole week and it was the first time in my life that I heard the reo being spoken by all these different people. And so when I heard that, just something in me um, knew that it belonged to me. It was like, oh, I need that. And I, you know, I just, it sparked something. I always say that there was like a seed planted in me And then over the next, um, during all of my schooling, I was just on the hunt for the reo any way I could. So we joined, you know, as part of the kapahaka group. Again, we sang all the songs but didn't really know what they meant. Um, I tried to learn the reo through correspondence. So you, oh, I've got a pātai. So you write it down, you put it in an envelope, you send it. Two weeks later, you get the answer. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I totally remember those days. So, yeah, we're totally ageing ourselves by that. I know, right? <laughs> and you, you used a tape. Yeah. You, know? you like play, oh, yeah. yeah, write that down, stop, rewind, you know. Um, but that was just part of my process. I was just so hungry to learn it. And then going out of school, finished my seventh form year, and I was like, I want to, well, my dream was to be on Māori television. Couldn't even speak the reo, but that was my dream. Um, and so I just decided I'm not going to study media. I'm just going to focus on Māori studies and then I'll see what happens. And so I studied in Dunedin for three years and then moved up to Auckland and finished my degree up here. And then, yeah. And I got I got out of the end of my studies though wasn't fluent um, teaching and so 
I got out of my studies and I still wasn't like super confident at speaking it, but I had a good foundation, I suppose. And then I started in, um, auditioning for different shows on Māori television and I finally landed one and just from there you just are forced to get better and better. And so, yeah, that was kind of the journey really. Just jumping back a little bit, you know, we were joking about like dating ourselves with the the tape cassettes and whatever, but, you know, you were talking about your mum and growing up in that in that era where actually it wasn't acceptable to be Māori. That's not mm. that long ago. You know, I, I think a lot really? of us ha- have that idea that, yes, that was kind of part of our past, but, you know, like a long time ago. But actually, <laughs> you know, that was not that long ago, was it? No. No, I mean, my mum my mum passed away, but she would have been 69. So 60-odd years ago is when that was really alive. And as you said, it, it wasn't actually just about the reo. It was about being Māori. So it wasn't something that you, you know, our, the, the next generation coming through and even the, the ones 10 years younger than me, these Māori kids, so many of them are growing up with their chests puffed out that they are tangata Māori, you know. Yeah. But for my mum and that, you hid, you hid from it, you know, and you assimilated into a culture that didn't really feel probably very true to them, but that's what was encouraged, become like the others or become and that become who you need to become to survive and thrive. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and you were kind of in that, um, like that transition generation, weren't you, where, you know, you went yeah. from the experience of your mum to what you were talking about with, with the tamariki these days. So so what is it like for you as a mama? You know, you've got four daughters. What, what is that like for you in terms of passing that on to them? So just doing all that journey before my tamariki, you know, I got to this place where, you know, I could write you a letter in te reo easily and I could um, read something to you relatively well. But speaking it, for me, and I think you'll probably know this too, Andy, because you're on that learning journey as well, but as an adult, we don't want to be embarrassed. So we often shy away from making mistakes. So often if I was with fluent real speakers I just talked to them back in English because that's what made me feel not afraid but by the time I had my um Takumata Amua my firstborn Bella as soon as I had her I was just like there is no judgment from our tamariki this is the place to just go for it and so I made this commitment that I would never speak to English as much as I could to my children, I would only speak to them in the real. Wow. And because a lot of our kōrero to our pipi, you know, our newborns is, I love you, are you hungry, are you tired, who you smell, or whatever the yeah. things are, you know. Very, very simple, you know, the, the real is you're not, you're not breaking down the philosophy of life, you're just talking in very simple bites and so, that was my then became my commitment. And what it did was I'd go, oh, I don't know how to say go brush your teeth. 
So you learn and then you you learn how to teach them that, you know, and it became this really beautiful um, process for me of finding confidence, speaking, and then that translated outside the whare as well. And then I, I learned just to go for it, speak with people. If there's Māori speakers out there, just kia kaha, you know, koe whakama, don't be shy. No one thrives if we're all holding back, you know. And so, yeah, it really was my tamariki who kind of were my playground yeah. for learning how to just experiment with the deal and hear myself say it and go, well, that doesn't sound right or that I need to work on that or, you know, and from there, yeah, it just started to blossom. I love that idea of your tamariki as, as your like safe place um, and that you didn't, you didn't feel like you had to be up to a certain level to be able to then start speaking no. to them. Yeah, so so no, that that's really beautiful. Um, what was life like at Māori Television? Like, what what were those years like for you? You did a bunch of different roles, um, both in front of the camera and doing some stuff behind. Was that like dream come true? Absolutely, dream come true, and also a real celebration of um, our Māori people are extremely creative and often in Māori television we're doing the mahi for five dollars while the mainstream cats are doing it for five million. (laughs) Exaggeration but absolutely a lot of the time you're having to create shows from the bare minimum and I just I just got to witness not only did my reel grow but my celebration of our people grew um my understanding of tikanga maori because i didn't grow up on the marae either and yeah. so even all of that kind of stuff just understanding who we are as maori you know within that space just i, I my eyes were opened in the most beautiful way and i still do mahi for a little bit of mahi for maori television now and um different productions and different roles and um I, it's just uh, all I, the word that comes to mind is celebration. It's just that's the best yeah. way to explain it. Yeah. And was that something you were able to carry on once you started having your kids? Or was it like, okay, that, that part's yeah. over and now it's kid life? No, one one particular show that I did for nine series out of the ten was this little fluent speaking um, kids show. We were kind of like the Māori Wiggles, if you oh, will. Awesome. yeah. Um, but slightly crazier because it was Māori styles, you know. Um, <laughs> so we, <laughs> it was, we like, our humour on that show is just off the wall. But <laughs> we just, we were allowed to play, you know. Awesome. Um, but that, that um, show would, we'd kind of film for two or three months every year. And I had four children, so, you know, I was kind of pregnant a lot. Um, but the beauty with, again, working in um, Te Ao Māori is they're not, they don't care if you've had a pipi. You bring your pipi to mahi. Yeah, cool. And, you know, I'd be in there, I'd have my overalls on, sing my song, do my scene, walk out. Whichever pipi I had would be plonked in the um props laundry basket playing with because she had woken up from her nap you know (laughs) and so the art department would be playing with her while I'd been doing my scene and you know they were just amazing at working around our whanau and then my husband as well 
he became part of the crew. He did the music from home. Um, he's an amazing, very talented musician. And so he created the music from the show. Before we filmed, I, I ended up in the last few series, I ended up becoming the writer of the show as well. So it just become this really um, beautiful way to parent and to be creative. And, yeah, it just really became a part of our whānau. So, again, such a special time in our lives. I love that, like that contrast of, like, hey, this is this was just really normal in a Māori setting compared to, you know, I'm, I'm sure there are Pākehā that, that have that same sort of experience, but it's not the typical view that you're given. You know, it's you, you yeah. have your baby, you stay home for a while. If you come back to work, you put them in daycare. You know, it's quite a different kind of model. But the, the model you're describing is very whānau-centric, very relationship centric yeah and going actually no that 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 kid's important too don't shove them off somewhere else bring them along um I just think that's yep. beautiful yeah and it was it's just so special and we were just we felt really um nurtured in that space too obviously it was different when we you know with our toddlers and that my husband would have them and we in our mahi we would um we have always since our first baby we just decided we didn't want to do the daycare thing again, each to their own. But for us, it was really important, and so we just are constantly in a "you're in, yeah, I'm parenting" kind yep. of buzz. And so, tag, yeah, tag we it. just love doing like that. Yep, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> At what stage did you decide, actually, you know, let's step out of that Māori television space, um, focus on the kids, or or what? What was that next step for you? Well, <clears throat> I had been juggling, both Paul and I had been juggling that, the seasons of contracts and stuff like that. Um, and our little series, Pukoro, came to an end again. And then, oh, what do you know? I'm hapu again, you know, let's have baby number four. And then that, that series ended up finishing. And by the time I had our fourth pipi, our poor tiki, our Malia, our youngest, um, it felt the juggle felt too much because I had um, I had four kids in seven years, and so you know it was just a lot That's of busy. people yeah. to look. Yeah, <laughs> and so um, I just said to Paul, I feel like it's time for you just to do the mahi, and I'll stay home with the kids for a bit, and just keep it simple because we thrive on trying to keep things simple if we can. And I did that for a year, and then after a year, um, I feel like you're a creative, Andy, so you'll understand yeah. this, but just the monotony yeah. of the same thing every day yeah. with no – because usually every year I had some type of season of creativity to look forward to, you know, um, and I didn't have that, and I was drowning in a pool of misery. Yeah. That's quite <laughs> – that's – exaggerating but I did I just felt a bit depleted um and so we were just at the beach one day and then my sister's like why don't you like join your love of video and your love of food like how can you do that online and so I just I was like well I mean I usually post like every six months to a year on Facebook so I have no idea <laughs> about any of the social media stuff you were a social media queen from the word go 
when you <laughs> yeah yeah I had like three followers <laughs> I just I didn't even know what I was doing Andy at all and then I was like okay so that night I just like set up an Instagram page and I was like oh I don't know I just announced it I was like right Fano, you know just follow me you don't really know what I'm doing and <laughs> I started off like gung-ho. I was like delivering, doing like five or six posts a week and every alternative day I would do a real lesson using Lego men and that was fun. But then about three months in I was like, I'm trying to make each one of these funny and I've got four young kids and I don't actually feel funny (laughs) most of the time. (laughs) I feel like I'm trying to produce something here when I'm like at the end of the day and so tired and grumpy. So I, I called the Lego men and they were good, good for a time. But so then I just started like focusing really on the beauty of the recipes, making it bilingual. And again, there was so much beautiful learning to be done within that space. Because I couldn't, I didn't know what whip the butter was in the deal or stir that in or pour, you know, because I just, I'd never do that really with the kids or just didn't, hadn't quite gotten to that place. And so I loved all the learning that was involved with all of that. And it just, yeah, just got a bit of momentum. About a year after doing it, my husband's like, I reckon you should do the Great Kiwi Bake Off. And I was like, let's just do it. <laughs> <You Yeah. know? laughs> it's kind of like, I don't know. I mean, I didn't know what it was going to look like, but I was like, look, I'll just apply, see what happens. Got in. Again, we've got little kids. You're like trying to learn how to do all these techniques you don't know how to do. What was it like for, um, like, how do you actually apply? Do you have to demonstrate that you can cook stuff or like, does someone have to taste anything or is it all done like online or no like honestly Andy they they take your word for it eh that you can bake (laughs) because you do like a little like hey I'm Naomi you know I love baking blah 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 on a wee like video and then you just take a couple of photos of a recipe you've done but you know who knows who did it and there's no live like meeting anyone, you're not baking for anybody. They just trust what you say. And then from that process, they like downscale. Then you do uh, like an interview online and then you just find out if you're in. I guess I guess if you did lie your way through it, you'd be found out pretty quick when you got to the, the actual show, wouldn't you? You would. And the thing is too is no one, you cannot anticipate the pressure that you're about to be under. Like, I think we all underestimated how intense it would be because baking is usually in your home. It's fun. It's usually because you're celebrating or loving on somebody. And, you know, we all just love baking. And then all of a sudden you've got this camera guy in your face when you've forgotten how to make the sponge that you've made 50 times. (laughs) (laughs) Or you've forgotten, like, the key ingredient or it's not baking, you know. So it's, um, yeah, <laughs> gosh, it was such an interesting, interesting experience, but also a lot to be learnt and all of that. Yeah. And, and was that 
like did you have to go and stay somewhere or could you still come home and be with family or how did that work? Yeah, well, that was for anyone who lived out of town, they had to stay at a, a house together. But I, because I lived in Auckland, I was able to go home at the end of every day. And I actually think you had an, you had an advantage if that was the case because I just got to come home and hug my kids and decompress and then go back fresh the next day, you know. Because it is, it is a hard out schedule. I think we got half a day off. If you get it through into the finals, like from day one till the end, we got half a day off. It's just filming every day. Wow. That's intense. Yeah. Yeah. What, really intense. What my kids want to know the most while watching Bake Off mm. is what happens to all the food once you've finished. Hmm. Um, I think there is potentially some given away but a lot of it just kind of people have a wee nibble there'd be a decent, decent television crew and stuff I suppose that would yeah but also it's just not all good Andy <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean yeah like lots of people have made mistakes and it, there is they're just the reality is like if you were like thinking of Christmas, would you want a fifty centimeter jelly tower to eat for Christmas? No, <laughs> I can already tell your answer is no, and nobody wants to eat that. Like, yeah, we made it, but it's gross. <laughs> I don't want to eat a jelly tower. Yeah, but you know, my kids would want to eat a jelly tower, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, some of it's eaten. A lot of it is, I think. But, you know, those big showstopper things where everything is like jumbo size and there's just, it, that's it's a lot of baking. And I, I'm pretty sure it just gets thrown away. Yeah, right. Yeah, so you weren't, yeah. you weren't bringing it all home to fatten up the whanau? That's a no from me. Yeah. I actually pretty much didn't eat anything after filming. Yeah. Because... My body was just so full of adrenaline. Like, yeah, right. it's just, it's too much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What did it mean to you to make the final of that? I was actually so proud to make the finals because the first two days I um, was in the bottom, I like failed miserably. I looked like a complete loser as well. I had a, like a heat rash, like all over my face, up my neck. Um, and I remember waking up on the third shooting day. I just slid in, didn't get eliminated, just slid in. And I woke up and I was just like, you know what? I came on here to have fun. Baking is fun. It's actually okay if the judges don't love everything. This is what I love to make. And so I just changed my tact. I was just like, I'm not going to, I don't want this to be this big weight of an experience. I'm just going to get up. I just blasted worship music the whole way there, felt refreshed, and I was just like, right, I'm going to have fun now. And then it just turned a corner because I started just trusting my gut and learning to enjoy the process rather than feeling that fear constantly that I was going to look silly because yeah. that's what I think ultimately is why everyone is under so much pressure because we don't want to look stupid or that we don't know what we're doing. Which is really normal. But super intense when it's on public television. Yeah, and you've got two cameras in your face making sure they capture every moment of humiliation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
so you've got this platform from doing the Bake Off and you'd already started this um, this stuff on social media. Um, so tell us a bit about Fanukai um, and, and what the kaupapa, what the heart is behind it um, and kind of how has it gone since that time? Yeah, well, Fanukai originally was this like space for me to play while I had um, my young babies. And my husband, Paul, at the time was my funder. Um, He just funded all the baking and everything I wanted to do within that. But um, it was shortly after I did the Bake Off and I had, I was in my kaita, my kitchen, and I was just baking away. And then I just had this little epiphany. I was like, oh man, the reason, the reason why I love baking so much is not so I can bake myself a cake and eat it on the couch whilst watching Netflix. It is because I love the celebration of giving it to people. I love sharing it. I love um, creating it for others, you know. And so I had never created a show of my own um, through Māori television. I was always, um, always presenting other people's visions, essentially. Um, But from that one little idea, I talked to a dear friend of mine who's an amazing producer in Māori television, and I just said, look, I've got this little idea. I wonder if I can do it through my Fano Kai page. Do you think there's any way I could do it? And she was just like, funnily enough, Te Mangai Pāho, who fund film, music, TV, anything te reo-focused, have just opened up this social media Um, and so she's just like put a prop together I can help you with the budget she was like my mentor through it and so March in March 2020 I got the um, official contract saying this concept is has been accepted and so the whole idea was I called it Whānau Kai the giving series I wanted to film little 10-minute videos. I show you how to make um, a recipe. I teach you bilingually through the through the ingredients and little sayings and that that you can use. And ultimately, the creations that I make, the followers have nominated somebody who can um, who they believe needs a, a little bit of aroha they sent their way, and so I would package it up, give them some extra gifts, and send it to these people who were nominated through my page. And um, it just happened to be that once we started filming, we had just come out of our first lockdown. And so the stories that would get sent to me were just so powerful. You know, people who had missed each other's wedding or their one of their family members had passed away and they couldn't be it was just amazing and such an honor for me because people were so generous and and what they shared and um so yeah I did my first series and then um one year ago I got funding for a second series as well and um a lot of the recipes that I created in the first series um have been refined and are now in my cookbook. So it's all just taken this, um, from what started from a hobby has turned into, blossomed into something I could 
honestly, I had no idea that it was going to get to this place. And, um, yeah, I just feel really privileged, to be honest. It's an absolute honour to be able to do this mahi, get paid, again, work from home, still be able to look after my babies. Um, and really, my kids are now part of that co-papa as well. You know, they're my taste testers and they, they're part of the um, part of this process. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a dream come true, really. Mm, yeah. Did you, for the Giving Series, did you ever, like, take it to the people or is it, did you send it off to them? No, I... It kind of developed, you know, it was it was a tricky one to kind of navigate that because even when we started filming, we were still highly restricted and it was just myself and the camera operator who were um, doing the mahi. Sometimes they would, at the beginning, um, people would come and collect it from me, but the problem with that was then because I need to talk to them and there's, you know, you want to be hospitable, but you're trying to film and a really full on filming day, it just got too much. Um, so yeah, there's been a lot of adapting as you can imagine as, as we've gone and just refining the process of what, what makes the most. And, and even because, even because a lot of the followers you know, people are nominating people. Some of them aren't even on social media. And I realised I don't want the recipients to feel this pressure to send me a video or a photo of the food. Like, if they want to, cool. But it's actually, then it takes away from the giving. If yeah. you're like, now that I've given it to you, you need to do a five-part story on how much you love it. You know, it just, it changes the game. And and also, I guess it would be going, hey, everyone, here's the hard done by family who got the cake this week. Exactly. Which isn't yeah. really what they need right now. No. And it's not it's not all sad stories either. Sometimes it's like a new baby's born or it's a 75th birthday. I love, you know, there's heaps of kōrero. It was just when I started, there was a lot of people going, as you can imagine, that those first years of lockdown, I, it was like, there was so much heavy stuff for people and being restricted in that way, yeah, out of it just came a lot of people in need, I think, yeah. more so than this series. I feel like there's probably a bit more celebration kind of stuff happening yeah, cool. um, in this series. But, yeah, no, it's really cool. Nice. Did, have you ever heard from some of the people that receive stuff? Like, did, did they message you back? And Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's some beautiful, and you know, a lot of it I don't reshare either because it's kind of, again, it's like personal or like we went into um, Bunnings the other day with my tamariki. They were all in tow. I looked like a complete mess and um, I was like grumpy with my kids and I'm standing there um, trying to buy this thing at Bunnings and this girl out of the corner of my eye is looking at me and then she starts speaking to me fluently in the real. And so I start talking to her and then she tells me she had nominated her kayako, her teacher, um, who taught her the real to receive one of my baking gifts. And it's just like, you know, you kind of taken back because a lot of the time you don't even know what the people look like who are nominating these people. Because heaps of people don't show their face properly or their accounts private or whatever. And so, yeah, like little things like that are really cool. 
um, just to see people in person and, you know, they'll thank you or whatever. But, yeah, it's really special. I really loved when I was when I was looking at the things that you'd done, I loved that whole concept of the giving series because, as you say, you know, that's part of why you love baking. Um, so why not put that in? But also, like, just generosity in any form just brings so much joy to the world, um, whether it's yeah helping someone celebrate a good thing or, you know, giving someone a pick-me-up in a time that's hard. Mm-hmm. You know, baking is one of those things that really does speak to people. And yeah. I, I also love like that you're saying, you know, it wasn't a um, like a contract. It wasn't, well, I'll give you this, but then you have to give me back this. You know, it was just, no, yeah. actually, here, have this. Um, because I think, yeah. especially with social media, it can so often be, um, what can I get out of this? And yeah. and I love that. Absolutely. I love that view that you're going, no, actually, whose life can be benefited by this? Um, and yep. and that's both the people who are watching and learning the real and learning the recipes and then also the people who are receiving the end product. Um, and I know from, you know, living in a house with a baker, you don't need to eat all the stuff that you bake. <laughs> you know, we... Um, no. Yeah. Uh, Bex, used to, <laughs> Bex used to do wedding cakes and stuff and... And even just like the buttercream icing sitting around, I just got so fat. <laughs> it, was, it was so bad. Oh, mate. Yeah, it's but, real. And I, look, when we were doing the, all the lockdowns as well and I was recipe developing, I'm just like the body has changed. You know, yeah. we've really blossomed into something new here, yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so you've got this, this, um, this recipe book, this – uh, puka puka um, cookbook is the word I'm looking for uh, that you've released. I've actually I've got a copy in my hot little hands here. Um, it is Aww, it is stunning. Like honestly, Aww. the amount of time and effort that has gone into this is just so obvious. Um, you must oh, be so you. proud. Yeah. Well, again, you know, sometimes these things come along faster than you thought. I I actually was. So I was approached last August um, by the publishing company and my first thought is I'm not ready and then or not worthy or when are you when are you good enough to produce a book? You know what I mean? I was just very confronted by what do they call that? Imposter syndrome. <laughs> um but it just, when I sat down with the, um, I think her role, Holly was her name, commissioning editor of Harper and Collins, we met for a coffee and I just sat down with her and I explained my heart for what I wanted my book to be and Holly has a real passion for the deal as well and she, at the end of it, you know, I didn't really know even if I had a good idea, you know, and Holly just said to me at the end of the um, hui, you are really clear. You know what you want to do. And some, sometimes in this process, people don't quite have a, a landing. And so, you know, she, she went away. She said, I'm going to put this to a panel, your, your whakaro, your idea, and I'll tell you in four days. And um, 
And then they were like, you've got the contract. And I just just sat there like, I don't know. Like, (laughs) can I even do this, you know? (laughs) Because I think the biggest thing for me was I – when you're producing content on Instagram, I'm giving you this content, but I am never asking for any money off you for this content, right? So here I am giving it to you for free. You know, if a recipe is a bit average, what are you going to do? Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, you're not going to – maybe you would get some hate mail or something from people, but in general – I am working on these recipes quite continuously. So some of them do need work. You know, I know even sometimes when I'm filming, I'm like, that needs, that's okay, but it needs to be tweaked. I was watching one the other day where you're like crashing up some, it was the banoffee pie thing, and you were crashing up the biscuits and you're like, and crush up the biscuits a little bit more than I did in this video because this is not quite enough. I thought that was cool. You know, it's, it's like actually, yeah. This isn't about perfection. This is about Fano and Kai. You know, it's anyway. Sorry, yeah. I interrupted. When you get to the book, no, I love that. Yeah, and so that it was kind of just like, okay, so now we're going to charge people for it. And for me, that concept instantly freaked me out because I was like, you've just got to raise raise the bar to a different level, right? Um, but I was just like. Sometimes we are offered these opportunities in life and you just have to put your big girl pants on and just be brave. You know, what's the worst that can happen is you don't finish it or, you know, but it is, I just had to, had to go for it. And so I said, yes, that following week, they sent me the contract and we went into that super long lockdown again. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, we missed and that so one. It was but... the... Did you? Well, that was lucky. Yeah, yeah. Were you overseas? No, no, well, we didn't. Like Auckland, oh. Auckland had the big lockdown, but we're in Christchurch. So, um, so yeah. Oh, we, yeah, we, I forgot about that. We were like we had the like a reject couple... city of Aotearoa. <laughs> we had a couple of weeks of lockdown, but then went back to normal. And yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, cool. and actually, That's cool all, you all you guys stuck at home baking, it was really good for our business. So, yeah. <laughs> That's right. We sold heaps of stuff to Aucklanders during that time. Anyway. <laughs> but yeah, so oh, I love that. <laughs> so um so yeah, anyway, so you got the, the contract and then went into the lockdown. Yeah. So we went into lockdown and I was just like, oh well, we just get to play here. And I knew there was a lot of recipes I'd already created and they just some of them really needed some tweaking. And so I just started um baking I started writing I was just like right I'll just try and write a recipe a day in lockdown because who knows how long we're going to be here um and I just started developing some new ones and yeah the process because you know a cookbook's huge and then you're like let's do it bilingual (laughs) and then it's like it's a really big deal in terms of um <clears throat> the editing process was really full on because, you know, I wrote it then it gets sent to an editor. The editor changes all the English 
and then the real no longer makes sense. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, right. And so, so then there was a lot of um, fear around getting those translations and things wrong, and and then you know how much do you use or how much do you not use, and yeah, there there was a lot of kind of stressful points, I suppose, but very grateful for the opportunity. Yeah, and I mean. With all of that work, you've come up with something that's just absolutely stunning. And one thing I love about it too oh, is, is that, as well as the pictures of the food and things like that, you've also got pictures of your whānau, which shouldn't be a surprise because it's called whānaukai. Um, but <laughs> but what one thing I loved is that it's a real celebration of both your Māori whakapapa and your Pākehā whakapapa, which then, yeah, that's right. which then like sits beautifully alongside a bilingual cookbook, you know, that yeah that, that your celebration of you and the celebration of I guess both sides of who you are like the totality of who you mm. are comes through just so well and you know pictures of your family pictures of young people older people it's just like it feels mm-hmm. like Fano and Kai you know you've I don't know it just oh that's so cool I, I looked at it and went man this is this is so much work you know I've I had a book published earlier in the year and it took me like three hours to write because it's a kid's picture book that, you know, I'd done three, yeah. three hours a week. You've got the right idea. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> everyone's like, oh, how long did it take you? Oh, about three hours. Yep. Cool. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is actually hilarious <laughs> and so good. It didn't, Very it's, efficient. It didn't take us three hours. Like the, the, the illustrator, you know, the, there was all that stuff that had to happen and stuff, but I didn't have to do that. Um Right, but yeah, I can I can see looking at that. There is a ton of work in there, but like you should just be so proud of what's come out because it, it is just such a beautiful book, um, and I think oh, sums up you. that co-papa for me of of all the stuff that we've been talking about. You know, the the generosity, the family, um, the the mm. aroha, the love. You know, even even the thing on the front that says um, "Feel good baking to share aroha and feed hungry tummies." It's like that's just such a <laughs> such a beautiful way of putting it, you know. It and it, oh, you know. I mean, this is down to earth conversations. That's just a really down to earth phrase, um, you know. Oh. Filling hungry tummies, you know. That's what it's all about, and bringing joy and stuff. So, um, so yeah. What's what's next for Naomi Toilalo? What is next? I I often get asked that question, and to be honest, Andy, this entire journey has felt like something that I haven't been striving and always trying to advance. It's just taken its own natural journey. And I got asked that question the other day, and I always say, it, it to me, mahi is mahi, but at the end of the day, my whanau comes first. And so it's always analysing where we are at, where my husband's mahi is at, what we can do as a whānau and we're still all functioning well and everyone's looked after. So I don't know, I just, I leave that one up to God really because I don't really, um, I don't even know what next year will look like. But I couldn't have told you that this year would look like this either, you know. It's been such um, such a beautiful journey of constant surprise. And so I'm just like, I'm thankful that this book is out. I've nearly finished my second series. I would love to do another series and I would love to do another book. But who knows? 
you know, it, it may happen, it may not happen. Um, but, yeah, I'm just excited. I feel really um, privileged to do something that I love. And, I mean, you guys are doing that yourself. You know, it's a real honour to do something that you're passionate about and is exciting and yeah. embraces and allows you to live a great whānau life as well. It's it's all a privilege, I think. Yeah. 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 Well, um, how can people find you, follow you? Where can they buy the book? Um, well... The book is now out in all good bookstores. That's what they say, eh? Good yeah. bookstores. Yeah. So paper plus, what Yeah, because the, <laughs> the stink ones means. won't stock it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, true that, eh? Boo to the stink ones. Um, <laughs> Mighty Ape are also doing it online. You can um, follow me. Instagram is where I do my best work. I am on Facebook, but very slow to respond. TikTok. Don't worry, you don't have to follow me there. It's a bit of a sad space. Um, <laughs> but Instagram is where I am, um, at Fanokai, all one word. And um, there is a link on my profile as well if you want to buy the book through there. And apart from that, yeah, just all good bookstores. Yeah, nice. Now, mihi nui ki Naomi. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you. Um, thank you for your your joy that you bring to to your spaces, um, the aroha that that is so uh, obviously present for both Fano and and then for sharing um, who you are and your your um, love of the real and your love of baking and um, and your love of being generous. You know, so um, yeah, thank you for what you're doing to bring a bit of heaven down to earth. Andy. It's a real privilege to talk to you. And I've had a great time. We've had a great corridor. So it's been heaps of fun. Hello, hello, heaven. Will I hear you whisper to come near? Well, that was such a fun corridor. Uh, what a gift Naomi is to the world with her creativity, her aroha and her generosity. And while we might not all put out a cookbook, in fact some of us are very unlikely to do so, speaking mainly of myself of course, while we might not do that, what a great challenge Naomi presented in taking the opportunity even when she didn't feel worthy or good enough or capable. It's so easy to miss opportunities by listening to those negative things that we tell ourselves, but if we can take a step forward, who knows what goodness we might gift to the world. You know, I've actually been teaching my four-year-old uh, recently that bravery is being scared and doing it anyway. And uh, I think it's mostly getting through, although last week I told him to get off something because it was dangerous and he just looked at me and said, dangerous is being brave and doing it anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe not. But uh, we'll get there. Naomi, thank you for who you are and for what you do. Here is a blessing for you. Naomi, may you continue to laugh in the good times and in harder times, letting the joy that is so evident within you escape into the world, bringing light and life to you, your whānau, and all those you encounter. May you and Paul continue to find support from one another for all you do, and may you continue to thrive together as you navigate the highs and lows of parenting, and mahi, and creativity, 
and all the learning and goodness that Fano brings. May your tamariki grow knowing they are loved just for being who they are. And may they be emboldened by your example to take hold of opportunities that are presented to them no matter how scary they seem. May your spirit of aroha and generosity continue to guide all you do in your whānau, in your mahi and wherever else you find yourself. And may your mahi continue to thrive and grow as you give yourself to the wairua that has guided your journey thus far. And finally, may you know you are seen, you are heard and you are loved. Thanks to Strawn for the music and Rangi for the karakia. Uh, I'd love to connect with you on Facebook and Instagram um, at downtoearth.conversations on both of those. And if you'd like to donate to help keep this thing going, just head to the link in the show notes or on my social media bio. Join me next time when I have something just a little bit different in store as we head towards Christmas and wrapping up the podcast for the year. Until then, me inoi tātou. E tō mātau matua i te rangi Kia tapu tō ingoa Kia tau mai tō rangatira tanga Kia mea te tau e pai ai ki runga ki te whenua Kia rite anō ki tō te rangi Humai kia mātau ai nei E taroma mātau mō tēnei rā Muro mātau hara Me mātau hoki e muru nei I o te hunga E hara ana kia mātau Aua hoki mātau e kawea Kia whakawaia E ngari whakorangia mātau I te kino Amen